All right, guys, welcome back to a new series of teaching from the book of Exodus. But before we begin the book of Exodus, there is some introductory material that we, we need to discuss before we actually get into the text. It helps you to understand the peoples, the times, the purposes, the themes of the book and the overall message that the book is trying to give us. OK, so let's just get into it. Let's start with the name of the book. Now, as we have it in English, Exodus, the actual Hebrew name of the book is Vaela Shemoth. And that literally means these are the names. And this was a common way that Hebrews would uh, name their books with the first few words of the book, Vaela Shemoth. And basically that is these are the names. And when we look at the text in Hebrew of Exodus one and one, that's the first thing that it says. These are the names. Okay. Now around 250, roughly 250 BC, is the writing of the Septuagint. And the Septuagint is nothing more than the Greek rendering of the Hebrew Old Testament. It's a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. It was given so that the Jewish people, basically those who were predominantly Greek readers and speakers, would be able to have the Old Testament. But nevertheless, and so what they did was they looked at basically the overall theme of the book, which dealing with a departure. And so therefore they gave it the name that we have, which is derivative from the Greek Exodus, which basically means to depart. Okay. And so that, that is the name of the book. Let's talk about the date of Exodus. The date of Exodus is approximately 1446 BC. And we get a good understanding of this from first Kings six and one, and where it dates that Solomon built the temple of God 480 years after they, uh, the children of Israel left Egypt, which gives us a date of approximately, and what was it, 966 BC? That was roughly the time in which Solomon built the temple. And so this was um, about uh, 1446 BC. And that's basically when we would see them leaving Egypt in the uh, about mid 15th century BC, which will give us an early date for the leaving of Egypt. All right. Which makes Jacob also too, with reference to that, it lets us see around uh, 1876 BC in which Jacob went down into Egypt. We remember that from Genesis chapter 46. We do remember that, but about 1876 BC, we also remember that it was Jacob who died at 147 years of age. He was 130 years of age when he went, when he came face to face with the Pharaoh of Egypt and he lived in Egypt for 17 years. Okay. So, but the, all of that is simply to say it was roughly around mid 15th century BC that we have the time for the Exodus from Egypt. Now concerning the writer of the book of Exodus, Moses is the writer. Sometimes you'll read a number of different commentaries attributing several different and sometimes even unknown writers or contributors to the book of Exodus. However, Exodus itself uh, uh, says, speaks of Moses at being the writer of the book of Exodus in certain places you say, and the Lord said to Moses, write these things down. The Lord would say to Moses, write these things and preserve it for Joshua. I'm going to have war with the Amalekites, things of that nature. And then even greater than all of this is the words of Jesus. 
Jesus him test, Jesus himself attests that Moses is the writer of the book of Exodus. When Jesus would say certain things like, what did Moses say unto you? Or what did Moses write? So therefore, without argument, Moses is the writer of the book of Exodus. And he probably wrote the book when there was sometimes at the, around when they had came to Mount Sinai, when they were delivered from Egypt, God brought them to Mount Sinai and is around that in that area in that time, probably around the first or second first year that the book of Exodus was written. OK. All right. Now let's talk about the purpose and theme of the book. The theme of the book is all about re re deliverance, redemption. OK, because when we see at the end of Genesis, Jacob and his tribal family had gone down into Egypt. But we will find out early in the first chapters, first and second chapter of Exodus about the mistreatment of uh, the descendants of Jacob and the enslavery of the Israelite people and how that God will later through Moses chapter three, bring them out of the land. So it would be about deliverance or redemption. And then the next thing you will see is that's basically one section. Okay. Chapter three to 12 deliverance. And then you will see basically from 13 to 19, basically, especially in chapter 19, you will see the establishment of a theocratic nation. And that is a nation by theocratic, a nation that is ruled by the government of God himself. And that's what Israel was. Israel was a theocracy. It was, its political establishment was given by God, orchestrated by God and, and permitted by God. Okay. So we'll see that. And we will see with the respect of being, being established as a theocratic nation. And that is an adoption as the people of God. And that's basically what we're going to see It's almost like kind of consider it like this, like when Jacob goes down into Egypt, consider that like the seed, the seed of a pregnancy. And then the population of his descendants, according to the promise of God, remember God said there in Egypt, I believe it's Genesis chapter 46. Again, I will make of you a great people. And so we can see the baby really growing in the womb. And that's basically what we see Israel becoming many people. Okay. It's a great multitude of people. And then finally in their great deliverance, kind of consider coming through the sea of reed. Some people simply call it the red sea, but we know uh, pointedly the sea of reed, but coming through this particular as the birth of a nation and in the birth of the nation, the adoption of the nation at Sinai, where they are made God's special and peculiar people. So what do we see? We see number one deliverance. Number two, we see the, the establishment of a theocratic nation or government. And then we see the laws to govern that nation. And this is the standard of life that would be given to the uh, people of Israel. And you'll see that standard of life or as people talk about it as the 613 commandments of the Torah the 613 commandments of the Torah, we'll see that standard of life being fully developed over 
Exodus, Leviticus, num- I'm sorry, Exodus, Numbers, Levitic- Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We'll see it develop over those final four books. Okay, and this will be, this will constitute what we simply call the law of Moses. All right. Now, let's talk about Egypt, because it is really necessary to understand not all about Egypt, but Egypt during the time of the Exodus. All right. But first, what we do see Egypt, basically, when it deals with the ruling of the kings, okay, ruling of Egyptian kings and pharaohs. Basically, can be understood as understood divided into three uh, uh, type of dynasties, and that would be the um, pre-dynasty, proto-dynasty, and the dynasties of e- e- Egypt's kings, and these are their pharaohs and whatever. Okay, that basically twenty-nine dynasties. Now, all of them are not important in our study of the Book of Exodus. However, it is important when we start getting into like after the 13th dynasty, especially the 16th and the 17th dynasty dynasty and the 18th dynasty and forward. Okay, so just just let me try to make it as simple as possible and not bore you to death with a bunch of historical talking. So by the time remember the last time we saw uh, in the book of Genesis, Joseph had come into Egypt. And when Joseph had come into Egypt, he was raised to power. Okay, when Joseph was raised to power, he was brought to power. Remember that in Genesis chapter 41, this was during the time when a Semitic group of people by the name of Hyksos, some people call him Hyksos. It doesn't matter to me. Hyksos, Hyksos. But a Semitic group of people, notice I said Semitic group of people had come to power over Egypt and they were the ruling dynasty over Egypt, these Hyksos. And therefore, Joseph came to power. It was under one of these Hyksos kings. They were called the shepherd kings. And we do remember, now y'all remember, recall, if you haven't, go back and check out all the stuff I did on the book of Genesis, how the Egyptians felt about shepherds. They considered them abominations. There was a great hatred for these guys. Okay. But nevertheless, these Hyksos shepherd Kings were ruling over Egypt and therefore the native Egyptians had a, they really hated the Hyksos Kings. All right. But nevertheless, Joseph came into his administration like prime minister of Egypt under the Hyksos. And so therefore the policy of the Hyksos was And to favor Semitic people, remember the Jews were Semitic people. So when the Jews would come into the land, that's why they gave them a favorable portion of the land, the land of Goshen. And they would invite Semitic people into the land and treat them kindly. And so therefore, what did we see? We saw the Pharaoh of Egypt under Joseph treating Joseph kindly as well as his people kindly. This was under the di- dynasties of the Hyksos king. All right. But something happened in the 18th dynasty. almost the first came to power. Okay. And almost the first was a Hamitic king. That is the native Egyptians. And the, remember the Hamites hated the Semitics, the Semitic Hyksos. And so therefore, when he came to power, his whole mindset was to get rid of 
all of the high sauce influence Hicksaw's people, all of that. He wanted to get rid of them. And that's why we can see when we get into Exodus 1 and 8, when it talks about, and I think this is the king that is referring to, and we have to be careful as we talk about the particular kings at specific verses. But we'll talk about that as we get to those points. There's a king who arose who did not know Joseph. Now, the idea that's being implied here is, is not so much as a knowledge of Joseph, but a knowledge of, but an ill appreciation of Joseph, a rejection of him. Remember, he is Hamitic. So this is Amos the first. He comes, he hates the Hyksos. He and Hyksos are Semitic people. So they get rid of all of the Semites. So what do you want to do? If they don't get rid of the Semites, those Semites who are left in the land, they enslave them. And this is how you'll see the Jewish people become enslaved in the book of Exodus under the Hamitic king, beginning with the 18th dynasty. Okay. Amos the first. Now, then we'll talk, let's talk about another Pharaoh, Amenhotep the first. Amenhotep the first is the Pharaoh we saw. He was all, and this is from the 18th dynasty onward, okay? Also, all of these are Hamitic kings, Hamitic Pharaohs. They hate the Semites, hated the Hyksos, and they hated the Jews, okay? So Amenhotep the first, is the, is the the son of Amos the first. So he continued in the policy of his father also. And he was the Pharaoh who killed the babies, the Jewish babies who told, who commanded the midwives. If you see that the baby is a boy to kill him, this was Amenhotep the first. All right. Now let's continue on to another Pharaoh by the name of Thutmose the first. Now Thutmose the first, I believe he was the son of Amenhotep the first, but nevertheless, Thutmose the first also remember guys, he's a medic as well. He is the father, he is the father of a particular, he, he had two marriages. He had two marriages in his first marriage. He produced a female child by the name of Hetzetship. I'll tell you why this is important. Hetzetship. And then in his second marriage, he produced a son by the name of Thutmose the second. Okay. So Hetzetship and Thutmose the second were brothers and sisters. How now Thutmose the second was the heir to the throne. So he came to power later on, but he died. He died and his son was too young to rule. And so therefore his sister had Sepshet, who was the daughter of Thutmose the first. Don't want to mess you up with all these names, but Hesepshet began to co-reign to rule with the son of Thutmose the first, Thutmose the second, I'm sorry, who was Thutmose the third. Thutmose the third was a young boy. He was too young to rule. Therefore his aunt co-reign ruled with him. Okay. And so she did this until her death. Now here's the thing about his setship that you got to understand. This is the daughter of Pharaoh, the daughter of Thutmose the first, who in the book of Exodus found the baby Moses in the, in that little reed box. She was the one who rescued Moses and became Moses's adopted mother. And so therefore, when Moses was being raised young, he was raised as the son of Hesepshet. Basically, she was ruling over Egypt. Okay. And so as 
So she ruled over Egypt. Thutmose the third, he is the male rightful ruler, but he was too young. But while he was growing up, that is Thutmose the third, he hated Hatshepsut because she was ruling Egypt. He hated her and he hated all about her, even though Hatshepsut was a great ruler of Egypt. Being a woman, she was still a great ruler of Egypt. So what happens uh, when Hatshepsut died, when she died, uh, Thutmose III came to power. And because of all of the anger that he had concerning his aunt Hatshepsut, he tried to eradicate her name. He removed her name from everything in Egypt, from obliques and everything else. Anything that had her name, scrolls in it, he wanted to get rid of it. And also, too, he hated her son. Why? Who is her son? Moses is her son. So therefore, everything to do with Hesepshet, Thutmose the third hated. And this is why when you see, and just allow me to explain it just a little further, when you see Moses killing the Egyptian, him being afraid for his life. Why? You got to remember, Moses was a member of the royal family. And so therefore, as a member of the royal family, he can kill anybody. And he doesn't have to worry about legal repercussions at all because he's a member of the royal family. But when Moses got afraid, it's because it now gave Thutmose III the ammunition that he needed to seek vengeance upon Moses. Remember, Thutmose wants to get rid of everything related to Hatshepsut. And for this reason, Moses flees to Midian. Okay, so now that's Thutmose III. And so, and he was the Pharaoh in which Moses fled from Egypt. Now let's talk about Amenhotep II. When God, and, and this is basically the son of Thutmose III who came to power, approximately 40 years later. And what happened? We know that Moses was 40 years uh, uh, at, in the wilderness with the flock of Jethro, the Midianite, 40 years before he was called of God to go and get the people out of Egypt. And it was at this time, Amenhotep II had come to power. And so therefore, Amenhotep II is the Pharaoh of the actual Exodus. He is the Pharaoh that was drowned in the water when the Red Sea, the Sea of Reed, when the Red Sea came over uh, uh, the Pharaoh and killed him. And this was Amenhotep II. And remember also too, concerning Amenhotep II, in the 10th plague of Egypt, the firstborn son of Pharaoh died. The firstborn son of Amenhotep II died, which leads us to Thutmose the fourth and Thutmose the fourth was the second son, the younger son of Amenhotep the second. And he was the one who had said the one of the, the, the Egyptians goddess, the dream stilly, something to that effect. <laughs> but to, to one of the Egyptians, God appeared to him in a dream and told him certain things and how he would become the next Pharaoh of Egypt. He had to say these things. He made this story up to legitimize his uh, right to the throne because his elder brother was actually killed in the plagues of Egypt. OK, so let's do a very quick review of this. We've already talked about the name of the book, right? Va'ila Shemot, the name of the book. 
These are the names, Exodus. We talked about the author. The author is Moses. We looked at the time period. Look at the time period of roughly around 1446 BC. We talked about the purpose and theme of the book, which is redemption, deliverance, the making of a theocratic nation and giving them a standard of life. We've also talked about Egypt and Egypt during the time of the Exodus. We've talked about the pharaohs, those who were the Hyksos or the shepherd kings, the one that they really hated and how that and these were the kings during the time of Joseph's rise to power. But we've also talked about the rise of the Hamitic kings. And this happened in the 18th dynasty and therefore and onward. And these were the kings who were native Egyptians. They were ethnic Egyptians, Hamites, and they hated the Semites. And we see the removal of the Hyksos people and those whom they did not remove, they enslaved. And then we begin to talk about those pharaohs from the Hamites, the, uh, uh, beginning with Amos the first, all the way, who was one of the first ones to get rid of the Hyksos, all the way to Thutmose the fourth, who was the pharaoh to take the place of the pharaoh's son that died in the last plague. We, we remember Amenhotep II, as we just said, was the pharaoh who was drowned in the Sea of Reed. So we discussed all of these pharaohs and each of them will have a certain sense of importance as we discuss the first few chapters of the book of Exodus. But nevertheless, we are looking forward to talking about the book of Exodus as we move from Jacob's family in the book of Genesis coming into the land of Egypt and, and at first being received happily, peacefully and doing well. And all of a sudden they become slaves. And also another thing that we want to show you guys too, when Joseph, when Jacob came into Egypt, there was a long period of silence from God, a long period of almost 400 years of God not saying anything, no word from God whatsoever. But nevertheless, although God himself was not speaking, it did not mean he had forgotten his promises. And it all stems to Genesis chapter 15, when God said to Abraham, know for certain that your descendants shall be slaves in a land, not their own, but in the fourth generation, in 400 years, I will bring them out. So even though God himself is quiet, he has never forgotten his promises. All right, guys, see you next time when we start Exodus chapter one.